Hello and welcome back to Equality and Elevation where we talk about the dynamic intersection of feminism and architecture, unearthing stories, perspectives and groundbreaking designs that shape an inclusive and equitable built environment. I'm Flossie and together let's explore the transformative worlds of feminisms in architecture. So, good morning everyone. Uh, today is a special episode. It is our or one of two of our bonus episodes of this season. So each season, myself and Lily will be doing one bonus episode each um, as a solo episode. And we will be exploring a feminist case study in each of these episodes. So I think as a feminist designer, it's really important to look at what other feminist designers are doing, get inspiration, get ideas, sort of see what is currently at the forefront of feminist design. So the precedent we're going to be looking at this morning is Goldsmith Street. It's really, really amazing. But before I get into that, I'm just going to give you guys a little rundown of what a feminist precedent is and some of what we're going to be looking at, just in case anyone isn't familiar with the term precedent. In the context of architecture, a Precedent can be defined as a building or a scheme that is being regarded as an example or a guide to be considered in subsequent building or schemes. So what that sort of means is it's something you might look at for inspiration. You might look at a scheme and think, oh, I really love their environmental strategies or I really love their form or I really love the material palette that they've used. And then when you're doing your own projects, whether that's in architecture school or in practice, you sort of like almost steal little snippets of different projects and use them to inform your scheme and it's just a really good way of learning and it's a really good way of creating really well-informed buildings to be honest. So I guess kind of leading on from that a feminist precedent more specifically is a precedent that is feminist <laughs> funnily enough um, the clue is in the name but no it's a it's a precedent that is built for everyone it's a precedent that is accessible it's a precedent that is environmentally friendly it's a precedent that is affordable it's a precedent that sort of just embodies all of the intersectionality that is modern day uh, feminism and i think goldsmith street which is what we're going to look at today is something that does that really really well what we're going to do is look at goldsmith street in sort of three parts in a way so when looking at precedents it's really important to take in the factual information so when was it built where was it built why was it built who was it built for etc etc because that does inform the later analysis but it's then also important to look at it in a sort of critical sense and look at the good things look at the bad things how does it how is it an environmental precedent how is it a feminist precedent how is it accessible what could it do better um, what sort of frameworks does it use to judge itself? Um, so we're going to be looking at some of those things today with Goldsmith Street. But let's start off with the facts. So Goldsmith Street can be defined as sort of high density green social housing. I say green because it's like really, really environmental, but we'll get to that later. Um, and just in case anyone who's listening doesn't really fully understand what the definition of social housing is, um, for the purpose of this podcast or for this episode, 
I'm just going to quickly go through that. So it can kind of, well, on the Shelter England website, it is defined as homes that have rents that are pegged to local incomes and is either provided usually by a housing association or by the local council. So in the case of Goldsmith Street, it is provided by Norwich City Council. Um, and we'll get to that a little bit again later. But it's also important to understand that often social housing in the past has not been amazing it can be quite sort of lacking in individuality which can be a problem Uh, sometimes it can be associated with higher crime rates in the areas and it can be used to create spaces that can feel quite unsafe and we obviously know that that is not feminist architecture um, but Gold's Mystery is an example of why social housing actually really can be great. And also, it is really, really important that it is great. Um, for example, there is a statistic that says almost half of families who are living in social housing and reported issues about poor or unsafe conditions felt ignored or were refused help. Part of the issue with that sentence is that a lot of people are even reporting issues about poor or unsafe conditions because we should not have people in our country living in poor or unsafe conditions um and that can involve like leaky roofs or like excessive damp or um broken heating stuff that can be really really dangerous especially to young children or vulnerable people or uh people with like asthma or any other health issues or respiratory issues so you know the first problem with that is that obviously those issues even exist in the first place and then obviously there's also the issue of those troubles not being listened to but what Goldsmith Goldsmith Street does really well is the design has been thought about thoroughly from the very beginning in order to avoid those issues being the case obviously things break heating breaks roofs leak it happens but in a scheme like Goldsmith Street it happens less which is a good start but it's not just physical health issues either. So obviously financial stress can have a really big impact on our mental health and people living in social housing may be more likely to be under some kind of financial stress. Um, And even when we may not realise it, the spaces that we occupy on a daily basis plays such an important role in our mental health and obviously our homes are the spaces that we occupy the most frequently so of course we all go to work we go to the shops we go get a coffee whatever but our homes are where we sleep they are where we try to relax they are such a big part of our lives even when you know they sort of might take a a background seat um because we might look at really like wow buildings and be like oh my goodness they're so beautiful (laughs) these are like the the amazing spaces actually our homes play such an important role in our lives it's really really important to recognize how that can affect our mental health so social housing can play a really big role in our society by being good and by being good for our mental health it can be really really helpful and the ways that it can do that involve more natural light um, wider open spaces Uh, outdoor spaces that we can play in and feel safe especially children can play in and feel safe and parents can let their children play there and know that they their children are safe but also uh, things like framed views so specifically 
when you're inside a building inside your bedroom for example being able to see out your window some form of nature some form of human activity and some form of the built environment can you know that's the ideal view to see a little bit of everything to know that there are people outside to know that there is nature outside and to be able to see that from inside your house is more important than you might think so now that we have established what a precedent is what a feminist precedent is what social housing is and why it is so so important that social housing is good let's talk about some of the facts of Goldsmith Street. So as I mentioned earlier, it is high density, which is really good. There is 105 homes and it is 100% social housing. So that means every single one of those 105 homes is was built for social housing. Um, the scheme was built by Mikhail Rich's architects and to some of you this may not mean anything but to those of you who this does mean something to it was built for a cost of £1,825 per metre squared of gross internal area um, so to those of you who don't know what that means it is really really good um, really affordable housing especially for the fact that these houses are actually all passive house certified so that sort of invites the opportunity for yet another definition so what is passive house what does it mean for those of you who don't know so passive house is sort of an environmental standard and it can typically be defined as buildings that use solar gains and passive environmental strategies so well that the spaces actually need very little or no mechanical heating and ventilation or they do need mechanical ventilation but they don't need very much mechanical heating um so that is amazing for so many reasons obviously there are lots of other environmental standards that people can abide by but passive house does seem to be the most popular one at the moment and the reason it's great for things like social housing is it can sometimes incur a little bit more of a cost when it comes to actually building a scheme um it's very fabric first in its approaches so that means you need really really good wall insulation you need really good u values for your walls and for your roofs it also often involves triple glazing which can be or double glazing usually but like lots of passive house buildings may also go even further and have triple glazing which is really expensive um but the great thing about it is once you are actually living in that house your energy bills are frequently so low so when it comes to gold's mystery for example i was lucky enough to actually visit it in 2019 and i i really just sort of wandered around to be fair I was literally just about to become an architecture student and I was interested and I was curious um, and it was about to win the Sterling Prize which um, I'll talk about again a little bit later but it was very exciting it did win the Sterling Prize in 2019 and I was sort of wandering around and I bumped into somebody who lived in one of the houses actually and I was chatting to them about it and I said you know I'm about to become an architecture student I'm honestly just really curious like it seems really cool and I read a little bit about it um how are you finding it like is it is it really nice do you really enjoy it and we sort of got chatting and she was telling me about her energy bills and she was like so obviously this was 2019 just to preface this it was not the current 2023 economical climate um energy bills were considerably cheaper than they are now but she said to me my energy bills are literally so cheap that there was a month in the winter last year when I only spent 
£15 on my energy bills, on my heating for that month. Now, obviously today, like that is insane. But even in 2019, I was like, wow, that is really, really cheap for your energy bills. So that is the good thing about Passive House is even when it is a little bit more expensive to actually build the scheme because you have to invest in maybe double glazing or you have to invest in good insulation or you have to invest in good cladding or good roofing materials, whatever it may be, it does really lower the cost of running the building for the actual occupants. So when we're doing feminist design and we're thinking about who is going to be occupying this building and what do they need, what do they really need for this building to be good for them one thing is often for it to be cheap to run but also safe right so these homes aren't cheap to run because people just don't heat them and get cold they're cheap to run because they are warm and they're well insulated and they're well thought about and they use form to maximize the solar gains that they can get from the winter sun and to reduce the solar gains that you get in the summer sun so that people don't overheat and they don't need to use AC or anything like that. So in short, Passive House is really great. And the fact that this is a social housing scheme, which is Passive House, is really, really amazing. But of course, you might be thinking, OK, so tell me more about how is it Passive House? So some of the strategies that it employs involve the form of the building. So they have deliberately... Well, I should start by saying, actually, it is a row of, it's it's sort of four streets worth of buildings. So they're not just in one long line and they're like, they're, they're organised in streets, right? And the streets are 14 metres wide. So it's quite, quite generous for a street and it allows uh, sort of play space and it allows parking for the residents. Um, but more importantly, it also allows enough space between those streets for the roof scape to be and the, well, the roof angle is sort of calculated to allow each one of those streets to get the winter sun coming in so what I mean by that is one street is not blocking the sun from the houses on the next street etc etc and that follows all the way down because of the width of the streets and also because of the angle of the roof allowing that winter sun in through those windows so that's sort of how in the winter when it's really cold outside you in every single one of those homes are getting direct sunlight in through your windows and that is helping heat up the spaces inside but in the summer the sun is actually at a much larger angle so the sun is much higher in the sky due to like you know physics <laughs> and what that means is there is shading on top of all of the windows along Goldsmith Street so there's like just little like like little sun sunshades at the top of all of the the windows that face in that direction and when the summer sun comes through those shades are at, again the perfect angle but also they stick out just the perfect amount to mean that the sun does not come in through the windows in the summer because it's higher angle in the sky so it gets through in the winter it doesn't get through in the summer and that means that the spaces don't overheat in the summer which is really really important because obviously in the UK we're not used to needing any kind of AC um, and also AC is really expensive really bad for the environment so it's a really really clever sort of passive strategy that Goldsmith Street uses 
And since we're speaking about the width of the streets um, and the layout of the scheme, I should also also mention one really great thing about Goldsmith Street is that every house does have access to a car-free street for play. So what that means is often, you know, most of these social housing schemes are for families and Goldsmith Street is no different. There are lots of families in Goldsmith Street and children need a safe place to be in nature and a safe place to explore and have fun and be outside not just cooped up you know in your house that's like the worst thing for a kid um and these streets are car free so that means that parents can literally just you know let their kids outside um let them over to play with their neighbor and not worry about any kind of danger either from like cars or from strangers which is really really amazing and definitely in my opinion a form of feminist design and in fact another form of feminist design in this scheme that I want to talk about is maybe not the first thing you would think of when you think of designing in a feminist way but I I'm sure that there is something written about this online but when doing my research for this episode I wasn't actually able to find anyone who mentioned it as like an important part of the scheme but I did notice it when I went to go visit the scheme um, and that is every single one of the front doors on these 105 houses are painted a different colour and I know that is going to sound so maybe silly maybe like oh it's not about the aesthetics of the houses, although, you know, it is about the aesthetics of the houses. It's about the environmental design too, and it's about the feminist design. But I think that this is a really important part of the feminist design because it means that often in social housing, people can really lose a sense of individuality. It can feel really dull. It can feel like every house looks exactly the same and every window looks exactly the same and every front door and every garden is exactly the same. And it can get really, really dull. It can get really, really boring. And as a person who is living in a scheme like that, you can start to feel like, oh my God, like this is just so dull. Like, I have no individuality, my house is exactly the same as the person next to me and the person next to them and the person next to them. And it might seem like such a small thing, but to invite that first sense of individuality into each of these houses with a different coloured front door is telling the residents, you're not just a group, one person in a group of like 100, 105 other families that live here, but you are special and you are individual and this is your home you know this is not just social housing this is your home and you can make it yours and you can feel allowed to make it yours because you can put your stamp of individuality onto it and I know that might not seem as important as the environmental design and I think the environmental design does play a really big part and I don't want to downplay that but I also think having that individuality is so, so important. So the fact that Goldsmith Street does that, I think, is really, really great. And, you know, it's only one thing. It's a start. And hopefully then those residents will see that and they will see we're not just viewed as like this lump of people, this group of people. But we are actually viewed as individuals who are going to be occupying these homes and who have different needs within these homes. And that that little start that that 
beginning that is provided by the designers of this scheme is enough to sort of have a domino effect and allow those residents to really feel like they can occupy the home and it is actually for them it's not a you know sort of um random like just awful piece of social housing I don't know how else to explain it but yeah I just think it's really really important I would really recommend while you're listening to this episode or if you have a chance after the episode to google gold's mystery and take a look at it because it did win the sterling prize for a reason um it's on top of all of the reasons that I've mentioned today for it being good design, it's also really lovely to look at. It is really interesting. Each house isn't quite exactly the same. There's a little bit of differentiation on the ends of the streets. Um, not even all of the streets are the same number of houses in each street. And it's it's a lovely scheme to look at. And even if you get to go visit it, like I would really, really recommend it. Um, because it's it's really great and I think it's a really great feminist precedent for all of us to learn a little bit from as well but more than that I also could talk about it for hours (laughs) I have so much more to say and there is so much more to say about it but sadly we do not have hours today so that's why you know I would really say go look into it yourself discover more things about it besides what I've said about it today and hopefully use it when you go forth if you're an architecture student or if you are a uh, an architect use it in your schemes and try and take from it what you can because it does so many things really really well and on top of that please 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 look at other feminist precedents find your own feminist precedents we will be hearing from lily next week about her feminist precedent as well so look forward to that if you want further inspiration but please also go out and look for your own feminist precedents because there are so many great buildings out there and we can learn so much from them about what they do um but other than that i hope you've all had an amazing christmas and have a happy new year Hello and thank you for listening to this week's episode. Editor Flossie here. We would really love if you could drop us a follow here on Spotify and please, please, please rate the podcast. It really helps us out so much. But also drop us a follow on socials. We are equality and elevation on everything. Wishing you a happy new year and we will see you next week.